And Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, once again we ask you to join us here this morning. And we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words. And all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. This morning we have a story about a judge who I think is the least qualified person to be a judge in the history of the world, right? Doesn't care about God or people, but let's make him a judge. And this morning's story, this parable that Jesus tells, the story of a widow who wants justice from an unjust judge, is a tricky one to understand. When I first read it, it just sounded like bad news to me. And then, after I read it a few more times, I realized, oh wait, it's good news. But then I read it again, and it was bad news again. And finally, I read it, and I found good news in it, and so I decided to stop. Stop reading at that point. It was sort of, it's always nice when it ends on good news, right? It's sort of one of those, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves Always stop on, Jesus loves me. That's... That's where we always stop. So let's get into it. When I first read this parable, I did what I feel like we always do when we read the parables of Jesus. We look at it and we figure out which character is God and which character is us. And then we see how they relate so that we can learn something about how we relate to God and how God relates to us. And That is, I think, exactly what we all do all the time. And in this case, my first instinct, of course, is to say, okay, the judge is God, and the widow is us. And the widow comes to the judge to get justice from her opponent. There's obviously some sort of lawsuit happening here. And the judge, who, remember, the story says is unjust, this is an unjust judge, that he doesn't fear God, or have any respect for people, this judge refuses to give her the justice that she seeks. But apparently she comes back, and comes back, and comes back again and again and again. And finally this unjust judge says to himself, even though I don't fear God and have no respect for anyone, I'll give this widow what she wants just to get her off my back. And Jesus makes sure to put those words in the judge's mouth. Even though I don't fear God or have respect for anyone, Jesus is making sure that his listeners know that the judge doesn't feel any sort of moral obligation to do the right thing here. Right? He doesn't fear the Lord, so he doesn't think to himself, well, I don't want to give justice to this woman, but I know that it's the right thing to do. It's the godly thing to do, so I'll do it anyway. He doesn't say that because he doesn't fear God. He doesn't have any respect for humans either, so there's no humanistic reason for him to give the widow justice. He doesn't say to himself, this woman is a widow. 
she's probably had a rough time of it. And even though I wouldn't usually do this, just this once, I'll give her the justice that she wants. He doesn't say that either. Because he doesn't respect anyone. So Jesus, by having the judge in the story say these two things, that he does not fear God, nor does he have respect for anyone, Jesus seems to want to make it crystal clear that the only reason the judge grants this woman's wishes is sheer annoyance. Right? She's just such a pest that he gives her what she wants. Is God like this? Because if he is, this is bad news. At least it is to me. In churches, though, across the land, we hear sermons about being persistent in prayer. And this scripture is used as evidence, right? The judge didn't want to give this woman what she wanted, but she kept coming back time and again, and finally, the judge gave her what she wanted. Sort of a, if you don't get what you want, ask, ask again kind of thing. But that's not good news. That's terrible. A God who might eventually give us what we ask for if we ask persistently enough? So, if we pray for something and we don't get it, it's our fault. We didn't ask well enough. We didn't pray often enough. We didn't pray hard enough. We weren't persistent like this widow. We didn't keep going long enough. If this is what God is like, it sounds an awful lot like His giving to us is contingent on our giving to Him. Were we faithful enough? Were we prayerful enough? Were we persistent enough? This is the law, right? This is the rules. I'll do for you if you do for me. And if that's true, it's bad news. But then I read the next sentence. And I realized that I had it all wrong. Jesus goes on to say, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. See, here is the good news. Our God is not like the unjust judge. This is not one of those parables where someone's God and someone's us. This is a parable where someone is not God. Our God is better than the unjust judge. The unjust judge makes people cry day and night before he'll help them. Right? He makes the widow come back and back and back. Our God? Will he delay in helping says Jesus, no. He will quickly grant justice to them. And so we go what seemed like bad news, better be persistent in your prayer, to good news. God will quickly grant justice to his people. A God who gets involved with his people. A God who grants swift justice to those who come to him in need. This is a God I like. This is a God I can get excited about, a God who gets involved. Until, of course, I think about all the times in my life when it doesn't seem like God is getting involved at all. 
And so just like that, it was back to bad news again. Do <laughs> you ever wake up and just sort of feel like, you know, today, God, I could really use you to show up. We sort of feel like that all the time, but sometimes we feel like, you know, today, if you're going to come, come today. Make yourself known to me today. Help me out today. It's been a tough week. You've felt lonely and selfish. You felt tired. You haven't felt particularly good at your job. Or as a parent, you've felt like a sinful person. You've been praying. Praying for God to help you. To help you stop feeling lonely and selfish. Asking Him to make you less selfish. Asking for more energy to do the things that you need to do. To give you wisdom in the workplace. To give you patience as a parent. What usually happens? At the end of the day, we think, man, it would have been really great, God, for you to show up today. Can you do better tomorrow? I had all the same problems today that I had yesterday, and the day before, and the week before. What's going on? We don't often feel especially like God has quickly granted us the thing that we seek. Is this true for you? It certainly is for me. The evidence of my life, of real life, seems to show a God who maybe isn't all that involved. We live in a world where parents abandon children, where marriages end in divorce, where love is unrequited, where pain and suffering run rampant. And Christians pray and pray and pray. We pray for every child to have a loving home, for every marriage to be strong, for our love to be returned. We pray for the suffering to be healed. And the result? The result is that many people look at the world the way it is and conclude that there must be no God. This is what people think. They look at the way the world is, and they think that there must be no God. For how can a God who claims not only to answer prayers and to deliver justice, but to do it quickly, preside over a world like this one? So we're back to bad news again. And the only thing I can think is that I don't understand God. Of course, Jesus says that. He says that we don't understand God, but we don't really believe him. We like to imagine that the things we want must be the things that God ought to want. But it doesn't seem to work out that way. I do know one thing, though, and this is the good news of our scripture this morning. God is involved during the hard times. It is a lie that we tell ourselves that when things are going well, God is close And when things are going poorly, he is far away. When he's close, he's blessing us. When he's far away, he's ignoring us. He's taking care of us during the good times and abandoning us during the bad times. Jesus is constantly saying that just the opposite is true. He says that the healthy have no need of him. He says, I came for the sick, I came for the sinners. He shuns those who have it all squared away and spends all of his time with those whose lives are falling apart. 
I have a friend who's fond of saying, if God's not involved in the hard stuff, then what the heck is he involved in? Because there's nothing else. Our lives are the hard stuff. If God's only with me during the good times, he's got a lot of vacation time. So his answer to prayer, God's answer to prayer, must be something more than just giving us what we think we want. His answer is, in the most important way, to be involved with us in our pain. He promises that when things get hard, he is there. I mean, let's be honest, it's only when things are hard that we really care that he's there anyway. Right? That's when we ask for help. It's, we, we mostly think that we can handle things perfectly fine on our own. It's when we get in above our heads that we reach out for the life jacket, the life preserver. And it's when we get in over our heads that Jesus is there holding one. And as he's finishing this story, this parable of the widow's interaction with the unjust judge, Jesus says, he promises that God will grant justice to those who cry out to him. And the reason that this story finally turns into good news is that the story is ultimately about that very thing, the good news itself, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't make much sense to think that Jesus is saying that God will give you, grant you whatever you want, as long as you pray for it and ask for it enough times. I mean, I've prayed for the ability to play in the NBA. A lot of times. But apparently God wants me here. Jesus says that rather than just what we want, God will grant us justice. That he'll do the right thing for his people. How does God do the right thing for us? How does he relate to his people? By giving us a savior. His own son. Jesus Christ. When we say the communion prayer in a few moments, we're going to say that Jesus came to live and die as one of us. To reconcile us to God. This reconciliation to God is an important idea because of this promise of God that he will give justice to his people. He offers his son, his one and only son, to live as one of us, a human, to live through the loneliness, the failure, the pain that being human entails. And then to die as one of us, to offer himself in our place, the righteous for the sinful, so that we could be on the good side of the justice of God. Because let's be honest, the justice of God can be a scary thing. Right? We, you only want justice if you're, if you're the good party. Right? If you're on the other side, you justice isn't something that you want. Without Jesus, without his sacrifice for us, the justice of God is a scary idea. Getting what we deserve, justice, is a scary thing. Getting what Jesus deserves, though, a transferred justice, that's a wonderful thing. 
That's good news. That's the gospel. And you know what? It actually happened. This is the best part of the good news. That it actually went down like that. God got involved in our darkest place. Our very separation from him. He sent his son to us. To the sick. To the weary. To the heavy laden. To the lonely and depressed. To those who cry out day and night. And that son, Jesus Christ, gave his righteousness, his goodness to us in exchange for our unrighteousness, our sin, our brokenness, our humanness. And this trade makes that promise of the justice of God given quickly to us without hesitation. Good news indeed. Amen.